Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everybody, back to The Basement Binge. An exciting episode here that, uh, surprisingly, one of the people joining me is extremely excited for as we continue the binge through the Transformer series with the next installment, kind of a soft reboot of the, the franchise, at least in my perspective, with Transformers Age of Extinction, which for the longest time I thought was Edge of Extinction until the movie started, and then it said Age of Extinction. But nonetheless, it is the movie Transformers Age of Extinction. And in this Transformer binge, I'm yet again joined by Matt and Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies. As always, thank you for being here. Hi, everybody. Matt is unrealistically jacked for this episode. The amount of exclamation points, wow, that word was hard, (laughs) that Matt sent in our group text was kind of alarming. Um, (laughs) I I swear if, if, I, I don't know, it's like I down five giant pixie sticks and i'm on a sugar rush to talk about this movie there's never been anyone more excited to talk about age of extinction than matt is right now never in the history of recorded time <laughs> at this point michael bay might be like calm down like jesus <laughs> <laughs> splash some water on your face dude Jeez. <laughs> are you okay right yeah so yeah we'll just get right into it because i also i didn't send that many exclamation points but i sent a few i'm excited about this so we'll get into the first segment two cents which is completely spoiler free fittingly so we were gonna let matt go first because i i just can't wait to hear what you have to say so matt the the floor is yours spoiler free here all right well transformers age of extinction age of extinction is without a doubt the longest the worst shot the craziest storyline that they have done the creepiest storyline that they have done the most poorly paced Transformers movies that they have ever done. And you know what? I love all of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the equivalent of being sad after a breakup and you eat a gallon of ice cream and you feel <laughs> empty inside, but damn, it was worth it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> And I, I will let that be my spoiler free because I will, I will talk about everything that is wrong and great about this movie and I'll ruin the segment. So that's where I'll end my my two cents. OK, Rob, do you have anything to follow that up with? Oh, man, I can't believe I have to go after that. So Age of Extinction. Um, well, it's kind of the participation trophy of movies. Congratulations. You made a movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's one of those things like it finished and I was like, okay, um, I'll go on with my life. I, I hadn't, I, I actually forgot that I'd seen most of this at one point. I think my kids were watching it and I saw probably two thirds of this. And I, and I guess I kind of confused it for the third movie, uh, not realizing I'd actually seen a lot of it, but 
I sat down, watched this start to finish, and um, I got to say, if you've never seen this movie, your life will not change in any meaningful way if you do watch this movie. And if you have seen this movie, again, your life is not meaningfully different than it was before you had seen this movie. Uh, you sit down, you watch it, it happens, it's over, you move on, um, for better or for worse. There's things that work, there's things that don't. Um, there's a lot of things that don't actually. Um, and yet I still had fun with it. I, I still enjoyed it. I still had a good time and, uh, I'm still glad I watched it, I guess. So, um, I don't, I don't know if I could be any more confusing spoiler free, uh, with my initial reaction than that. Yeah. I, I'll follow that up by saying when I put the Blu-ray in, there were three things that I remembered about this, that at one point in a jungly looking scene, Optimus Prime battled the T-Rex and had a rousing speech and the T-Rex blew flames. I remember that. I remember that it had Mark Wahlberg and I remember that a little car punched a guy in the face with its tire. Like those were the three things that I remember about the movie. And then it started and there was a few other things that I remembered, but this is a very, very just forgettable movie. It's here. It happened. And we quickly move on. Like, I would say that I kind of grouped the Transformer movies in two groups. You have the tr- the trilogy that we just finished, and then we have these two films with Mark Wahlberg. And most of the things that I remember are from The Last Night, and part of that is because I really love it. But but this is just... it, it Like, this is the worst one. I'm just going to say it that way. Like, it is still so enjoyable. I'm tipping my hat with with or with uh, Rummage to the Rotten, but it, there there was just like so many moments where I was like, "Why is this happening? And why am I enjoying watching this?" Uh, like it's it's really really weird that I can critically recognize how horrible this is on so many levels, but then for some reason I'm still engaged. Uh, even as I'm engaged, I'm recognizing the absolute absurdity and 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 just poor execution of this. Yet I'm still watching, and and. and not not having a bad time. Wait, no, I said that backward. And I'm not having a bad time. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Can I ask both of you at any point during this movie, because I'm going to come out and say no, it's really weird. This is the longest movie by about 10 minutes of any Transformers movie. At no point did I feel like this was two hours and 45 minutes long. Like I know Harrison, you said you might've had to broken this up into two parts just because of your, like your day and everything. But I don't know if it's the fun I was having just going like, this is insane, but this never felt like it dragged onto me like revenge of the fallen or dark of the moon for me. Like this movie still felt like oddly short. Like, I don't know what it was, but I never felt like I was there for two hours and 45 minutes. I agree with you. And I think this is the reason why is because I kept waiting and I've described it as my love for the third act because that happened with Dark of the Moon and Revenge of the Fallen. I kept waiting for that to happen. So like I never felt like I was there. So it always felt like I wasn't further along in the movie, if you get what I'm saying. Because at, at one point, I paused the movie because I had to go to the bathroom. And, you know, on a Blu-ray, when you pause it, it like pops up the little... Oh, yeah, I guess it does that on streaming, too. I talk about that like that's a big thing. <laughs> that's literally streaming. But it, it like shows the status bar. And it was like an hour left. And I was like, what? I've been here for that long? Uh, like almost two hours I've been here? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird. This, this is a weird movie. Yeah, so I broke my watch over to uh, two sessions. 
um, started it last night and then uh, kind of fell asleep. Um, <laughs> I, like literally right as the action was really going and because uh, it was just kind of late and I'm old. So yeah, I needed to get to bed because um, I have to work in the morning and tell kids to get off my lawn and stuff. But um, <laughs> I, uh, so I, I picked it up earlier tonight and um, I, I think maybe largely because I was, it was broken over two sessions, but it's weird that you say that because it didn't, if you asked me if this movie was longer or shorter than the previous two installments, I would have said shorter, not knowing the actual runtime. The The previous two installments absolutely feel bloated at places. And there's absolutely scenes that you could point at and say that should be on the Blu-ray deleted scene collection. Like that should be something you watch only in that way. That should not be part of the movie. I don't necessarily know that I could easily point to something here. I'm like, why did you include that? Well, I, I take that back. There's definitely things I go, why did you include that? But um, as far as whole scenes that you could have chopped to save time, it doesn't feel anywhere near as bloated. The weird thing is, is that I, I agree with you, but also maybe it's because I was so aware of the runtime. I knew that this was nearly three hours. When I sat down and watched it, I was like, oh, here goes three hours of my time. And, and, and so I was looking for those scenes to say, you could get rid of that. You could get rid of that. You could get rid of that. And, and it's really weird how, like, how can I say this the right way? It, it was weird to see how noticeable those were while also not being noticeable. It, it's, it's very, very weird the way that it does that, that it, 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 I, I can't quite explain it. It's, it's kind of confusing to me. Um, but I can't say much more spoiler free, so I'm just going <laughs> to move on to the next segment so that we can actually talk about it. Before we do that, even though I kind of tipped my hand, we are going to rummage for the rotten who we think is going to rate this the lowest out of five reels that we will reveal at the very end. As a brief recap, in case anybody forgot previously that we've rated these um, and all of us. Oh, wow. All of us rated this two and a half. Dead even two and a half. Um, Dark of the Moon, Matt and Rob had it two and I had it three. Um, oh no, sorry. That was a previous rating. Going back to what we rated before dark of the moon. We all wrote ra- rated three revenge of the fallen. Matt, Rob and myself rated two Matt rated one. Uh, so kind of right in between the two of those is what we guessed it would be. Uh, obviously we're going to re- reveal that at the end. I think surprisingly that I'm going to be the Ron and I am kind of bothered that I'm going to be, <laughs> as the defender of michael bay that i claim this one i like i kept joking when we started the series that i was going to have a hard time with the last night but that's because i know that other people don't love it i'm not going to have a hard time defending it i love it this one i have a hard time defending because i don't quite love it yet but you i'm very persuadable you two might convince me so we'll see but that's my guess that it's going to be me okay um I, I'll I'll go next. Um, it's a hundred percent not going to be me. Um, so <laughs> I will guess Harrison as well. So, um, man, it's going to be close. It's either me or Harrison. Um, I think it's probably going to be me in the end. Oh man, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll just be tied like we have been every single episode so far. I, I'm uh, telling you right now, if for some reason. Michael Bay listens to this episode. He's going to take me out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody who defends this movie probably should get to go out to, di- to dine on, on his on his dollar. Yeah, seriously. 
Um, okay. Well, I, I will I'll say this could be a historic episode if it is me. If my memory serves me right, I have not been the rotten once yet. Uh, so that would be kind of shocking, especially on a Transformers movie that I claim to be the defenders of. This we'll, we'll see what happens. So moving on to the next segment, pick your poison, which is the rating scale here at the Basin Binge. The bingeability of the film. How would you interact with it after watching it this time? Four options, four ratings. The bottom is to never watch it again, self-explanatory. Above that is to stream it. It's on a service you're paying for. You're kind of browsing, looking at something to watch. You'd be willing to click on it. Above that is rent in the right circumstances. You pay a few bucks and top of the list, buy it. Watch as much as you can. Um, Rob, what would you rate it? This is a stream. Um, I wouldn't say I would never watch this movie again, but I struggle to think of why I would spend money on it. So uh, pretty simple. It's a stream for me. Okay. And Matt? Uh, It is a stream for sure. Um, Again, as just times have changed, um, you know, I I feel like this would be on a streaming service that I own. Uh, I would definitely put this on over Revenge of the Fallen, over Dark of the Moon. Um, I won't tip my hat on last night, but this is this is the second most movie like this is the in terms of which would I turn on this is second behind Transformers for what I would turn on wow wow okay this is almost for me a never watch again like almost which is so weird it's not quite to the point where I would never watch it again it's not that bad like it's definitely not one of those movies where if someone else was watching it and they're like hey come watch this I'd be like no burn the house down like <laughs> nowhere near that I'd, I'd, sit, I'd sit down and gladly watch it and i would enjoy it and again in a few years i can see myself watching this as part of a transformers binge because i own them all I, I can see myself doing that again but this is not going to be the movie that's going to make me want to binge it my memories of the other movies is going to make me want to invest in the whole series again mm-hmm. and this one is just part of that I could see myself at that point, though, turning it on and then remembering it and remembering this conversation and remembering my opinions about it and either fast forwarding through 80% of it or just skipping. Uh, If I didn't own it, which I already do, if I didn't, I could see myself when I did the binge, just skipping it. If it wasn't streaming somewhere, like if I had to invest money in it at that point, I'd be like, not worth it. I'll just move on to the one that I actually like. Uh, But again, you two could, especially Matt, Matt has been known to persuade me once or twice before, and I, I'm, I'm easily persuadable when it comes to Transformers already. So who know, I could like be saying this is the best one by the end of this episode with how excited Matt is. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to see what happens. Um, so yeah, as far as owning it, though, I was, I was going to mention this in the live up as well, but I'll just mention now. And, and people listening, you can't see this. I, I want to show Matt and Rob. So I own the Steelbooks because they were cheaper to buy but so like the steel books, they just for the first three movies just look like this. Like it's just like blue, just a generic, you know, like photo on the front, like super, super basic. And then you get the third one and it's just a total redesign. Like what? it's just it's Optimus Prime. It's kind of wow. glaring. It just in front of an explosion. Like I've been pulling. I pulled these three movies out over the past few days. And then I pulled this one out because the, the spine looks almost identical. So I pulled it out. I was like, whoa, this just looks different already. Like you said it. It's so like I'm going to encourage reboot. listeners. Yeah. I mean, gonna, I'm going to encourage listeners. Do yourself a favor. Do a Google image search on that. And you'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll link it below. Because, I mean, the reason I ended up buying the Steelbooks is because of the last night. Like, this is just one of my favorite Steelbooks ever. 
and it has that on the back. But this is just like it. This solidified my thoughts I already had about it. That this is a soft reboot and soft like design in every way of this franchise. So there's your thoughts that you have because I. I'm and then they went ahead and did another movies. soft reboot on Bumblebee. <laughs> it's like this series yeah. just can't decide what it wants to do. Yeah, yeah. So poor Transformers, and and like the font changed. I mean, that was a huge thing I noticed. We didn't have like the transforming Transformers yeah, the, thing. The opening of the movie is completely different. The font is completely the different. The font's completely different. I mentioned it at the end of our last review. Optimus Prime's design has completely changed in this in, oh, in this totally. movie. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about those things in this next segment here, Live Up, where we talk about our expectations we had going into the film and was it able to live up to them um, and just other general thoughts about it. So, so Matt, take it away. Yeah, so here's where I probably forgiving, persuaded, interested, whatever you want to say about this movie. When you break down some of the individual concepts of this movie, I honestly think that this is the most fascinating movie that they've done in terms of some of the things that they bring to the table. Who created the Transformers? Everybody thinks they're the center of the universe. You have a bounty hunter that's trying to come for Optimus Prime. You have a character in Kelsey Grammer who gives me a real um, William Stryker vibe from X2, X-Men United, going after the Transformers. All of those individual concepts, I think, are super, super interesting. It's a shame that they're in a piss-poor movie that doesn't know how to do anything, let alone film cons- uh, like consecutive scenes, or not make it obvious that your stunt doubles are in for your main actors. It is glaring in this movie how much they use a stunt double for Mark Wahlberg and whoever the floaty-wearing pissant boyfriend is for the daughter um he's horrendous um but these concepts are super interesting so when i break everything down this movie definitely like lives up to it for me because i focus more on like those are interesting concepts the story of dark of the moon going and getting the pillars and bringing cybertron to earth i'm not all that interested revenge of the fallen blocking out the sun and using it for Energon, I really don't care. Whatever. The first movie had an interesting concept with the AllSpark and coming to Earth, sure. But this movie's premise is incredibly interesting to me. And when I just think about those things, this movie, like I said, I don't know why. I, I, I'm such a big fan of this movie. I, I had a blast with it. So it lives up. That's so interesting that you say that because all of those things you mentioned, like when the movie started, the opening's totally different. It gave me very much Prometheus vibes, mm-hmm. which actually I think oh, that was yeah. one of the first episode I did on your yeah. show, Matt. Um, and, and so it kind of got me excited. And maybe it's because I wasn't expecting that. To, to explain my expectations, I have had such a good time with these last three movies and really developed a fondness for Shia LaBeouf and all, and, and all those characters. And they're all gone. And that really was hard for me uh, this time. I I didn't realize how much I would miss them. Um, And so that was like, although I was interested in those things and those concepts, which I totally agree with, super interesting. And like humans now making Transformers, like this really kind of changes the games for a Transformers movie. 
But I feel like none of that is ever rewarding enough to make up for the feelings of loss I have for these last characters that I have such a bond with. And I think that if I hadn't binged these movies, again, Rob, you talk about this all the time, the watching the movies is the way we do at the Basin Binge makes them different. And I think if I hadn't so closely together watched the movies and then talked about them and realized through the conversations we have how much I like those characters, I think this movie would have been different for me because I just found myself missing them and kind of missing the camaraderie that I felt like I was a part of with them and like part of the chaos where this just felt like too organized chaos, if that makes sense. And so like that sense of it not being the same just kind of put me in a little bit of a funk where I, I couldn't enjoy those concepts as much as I thought I was going to when the movie started, if, if that makes sense. The movie started and had that opening and I was like, whoa, this is totally different. I think, let me go to my notes here. I wrote down immediately the style is different. Uh, this is where Transformers changes from ever. The visuals, the sound, the tone, the story, this is going to be new. That's what I wrote down. And uh, I was excited. Like, what is going to happen? And then just it, it's wore off on me, sadly. You know, I'll just kind of echo a lot of what you said. I think this movie is somehow lesser by giving us all new characters um, with the exception of the, you know, I guess Peter Cullen um, kind of is, is the thread that pulls everything together. Um, we've sat through three previous movies, watching these characters develop, um, watching what happens, watching them kind of grow up with us a little bit and to do a kind of more of a soft reboot. It's not that I'm not interested in some of the characters, but it's, it's somehow lesser um, than, than seeing them continue to grow. Um, did I need Sam? I guess maybe I did. I, I, you know, I've just been captivated by what Shia LaBeouf has done over three films. Uh, just kind of that goofiness that, that every man sort of quality he has, um, you know, the loyalty he has to his friends, to his family. Um, you know, I sort of have, have gotten accustomed to that and to kind of start over, you know, so did this movie live up to my expectations? Well, I had very low expectations coming into this because this is not a well-regarded movie. So I certainly was not underwhelmed because I had low expectations. Um, I had fun with it. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily call myself overwhelmed. I would say I was whelmed by this movie. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. I felt like I just like my expectations weren't met and they weren't let down either. Like it was just like, uh, I think you said a participation trophy. Like that's yeah. what I felt at the end was just like, yeah, this was the next transformers movie. It happened. And it, yeah. And, and it's, it's, I, I think the, the biggest reason is that the parts of transformers I was expecting weren't there. And I, I couldn't readjust to the newness that is transformers. I, I, I mean, I think we can all agree. This is a completely different transformers movie than the other three. Besides Optimus Prime and like the Transformers being there, there is so much that is different. And like it kind of starts the same. Like, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but TJ Miller is kind of like the replacement Shia LaBeouf. And it's stupid. But like when uh, Mark Wahlberg throws a football at him, I lost it. Like I could not stop laughing. And I was like, this is so stupid. Why am I laughing? And I was like, yeah, this is why I like Transformers movies. Like they make me laugh in a way I don't get why I'm laughing at. And then he died. And I was like, that, that really like, shocked me. I, I, I couldn't, I mean, I, I felt like I really never recovered from his death, which I can't believe I'm saying that about a character from TJ Miller, mm -hmm. but I, it, it affected me. And then the other thing, the entire relationship between Mark Wahlberg's character and his daughter, Tessa, and her boyfriend is awkward. I can't believe they spend so much of this movie talking about a relationship between a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old. And 
And every single time they interacted, I found myself missing Sam and his parents more and more and more. And part of that was just the awkwardness of the entire relationship. And part of it is because Sam and his parents were funny. Well, uh, even if like even if they were the same age, the I, I will agree with you there, you know, set aside the fact that they made an effort to not just go like there was probably somebody in the writer's room who was like, hey, Michael, like, couldn't we just make them the same age? And he slapped him in the face and was like, shut up. No, we're going to make this law so that it's allowed for them. To- we have to make it creepier. Damn right. It. Like set aside that this the boyfriend in this movie is not oh, is not right. written in a way to like him at all. He chickens out at a moment's notice. He does nothing at all. He's like, you're not here. Like, I'm not here to help you save your daughter. You're here to help me save my girlfriend. And then you run away and give up. You do nothing to protect her. You do nothing to save her. You're like, it's not, he's not written at all. So yes, their relationship, you know, again, even if you took it and you said they're the same age, he is not well written at all. He's not like he's no. not like all over the place. No, yeah, the character is so inconsistent. He's afraid, then he's tough. He cowers to the dad, then he postures on him. It's so like, was he written by a different person mm-hmm. on every page of the script? It, it really probably. It's, well, it's like they just did a random generator and said, "Okay, for this scene, what should he say?" Click. He's written by yeah, AI. Well, okay, we'll use <laughs> yeah, that. A bot did yeah. his character. Actually, I think, no, there's no way a bot did his character because a bot would do it better. So, yeah, their, <laughs> their relationship is is just, he's so unnecessary in this, mo- in, yeah, in he, this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, just let Mark Wahlberg have a 17-year-old daughter that he cares about mm-hmm. protecting. Story is the exact same. There is nothing about the boyfriend that needs to be in this and story. It's, and it's and, better. Yeah. Yes. And and the other thing is, we talked about this at great lengths the last episode. That moment with Sam and his parents when they're on the motorhome, and his mom starts talking about his nether regions, and it's just awkward and like cringy and like, why are we doing this? And especially because it ruins a good moment. That is still like those unnecessary awkward creepiness is still here, where the actors of Sam or, or Shia LaBeouf and then his two parents made those moments somewhat redeemable. That isn't working for me here. So then all I'm left with is just this awkwardness. And it, it is just like, I just don't like this. And it, it, it's difficult to, to, to get mm-hmm. through. They kind of make a big deal out of her getting to graduation. Um, in what way does that kind of subplot make this a better movie? In what way does the discussion around the Romeo and Juliet law in Texas between a 17-year-old and a 20-year-old make this a better movie? In what way is just not making both of them 19? Like, how how is this movie better by not just doing that? Like, I don't see what's added to it. It's just, it's cringy. It's creepy. It's unnecessary. Um, it, I don't, I don't see what it, it adds. It makes me wonder, is that actually like, I've never looked it up. Is that actually a law in Texas? Like, it, it makes me. I think it actually exists a couple like, places besides just it, Texas. I think that's a lot it, of places. It actually. legitimately makes me wonder, and I've never looked it up to be like, is this a real thing? Like, did they, like, do they think they're adding realism by doing that? Like, what? But that tells you that Michael Bay did look it up. So why is this dude looking that up? Right. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't know. Um, it is real. It is real. Okay. 
Yeah. I, I have the feeling that someone told Michael Bay about this and he's like, we got to put that in the next movie. And right. Or reason. like they, yeah, they that's, that's his version of the wingsuit in this. Or movie. like they cast, <laughs> they cast that girl and her age was like an issue and they were like, oh, well, we could use this. Like, yeah, it, it is just a really weird thing. Um, yeah, because she wasn't a Victoria's Secret model just yet. So they had to do something different with her. I, I will say to their credit, she does seem like a 17 year old, both look and, and maturity and just the way she is as a character. She looks like a 17 year old, uh, at least to me to their credit. Um, the other thing that I'll say about the human characters that, that bothered me, and this is again, I just wanted the boyfriend to disappear. The awkwardness of that relationship bothered me. The boyfriend in general, he just bothered me. But then I felt like the human characters more than anything got in the way in this movie. Like I kept waiting for transformers on transformers action. It was just ruined by humans being there and Optimus or Bumblebee having to grab the human. And then we have this sweet action scene or this sweet slow-mo shot that was just ruined by digital doubles flying over the screen for Optimus and, and Bumblebee to grab them midair and like have their spines not break in half. And, mm-hmm. and there were so many times where I was like, can you, can the humans just be thrown on a field so the transformers can fight each other? And then they would be thrown on a field and then they get picked up again. It's like, come on, just, just get them out of here. And, and so maybe they, I just lost patience too quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't give the movie a chance to keep me interested like it did for the two of you. So I'm curious, now that I'm being a negative Nelly, I'm curious what, like, no. I, I was going to say, like, what is the interest of you, but you already told yeah, me. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, the human character, you know, besides the boyfriend, um, I like Mark Wahlberg. I think he's, belie- like, I think he's actually believable um, in the movie. I I like Kelsey Grammer's character because I think it's relatable. I think you would have somebody that works for the government that, you know, after Chicago happens, they would try and do something like this. Like I said, I got a really William Stryker vibe from him with wanting to get rid of mutants. I liked his character. I did like Cemetery Wind. I thought that group, you know, regardless of some of the dialogue, I thought the concept of them was interesting. I didn't, you know, I liked Stanley Tucci's character, if that's how you say his name that was creating transformers and was like this brilliant man who gets upset because his designs are flawed and there's things that happen. Yeah. He's like, funny too. I, again, I it's, it's hampered by bad dialogue, but what these characters represent, and I don't know why I'm so forgiving of it in this movie. Cause I'm not in any other one, what their characters are supposed to represent makes sense. And I think it's a better, representation of what human characters would do in these movies than what we got in some of the previous ones. Like, even though John Turturro's character was funny, the concept of him, I think is a little ridiculous where again, to me, Kelsey Grammer's character is it's more logical than what we, than what we've gotten before, just because there's bad dialogue (laughs) Again, I'm I'm willing to overlook that because it's more realistic that these things would happen after Chicago. Like that's that's why I like these characters. That's why I like some of these human characters more than what we got in the previous Transformers movies. You just helped it click for me, and th- this is this is why. This is a very logical kind of next step, if you will, in the Transformers story after Chicago. This is the most realistic story of transformers being on earth that we try and copy their technology 
the, the, the government reactions, uh, you know, technological kind of CEOs reactions, like all of that is very, very real. And I think that be, I've just conditioned my brain, like, because I remember this movie so little. And even the last night, I remember very, very little. When I think about Transformer movies, I think about the first three. I think about Shia LaBeouf. I think about uh, Nest and that group of people. And that just, and, and kind of the stupidity of it, which we poked holes in before. And I think that I just, without knowing it, because I didn't know what this movie was, I almost just put those expectations on it. And so when it wasn't that, it was just like, it wasn't working for me. It didn't jive. Even though I didn't recognize I had those expectations, I think I just subconsciously, just when I think of a Transformers movie, that's what I think of. And this is, this really is such a refresh. I would say with better ideas that just aren't implemented well. So if you think about what would naturally happen after something like the Chicago incident, the CIA would 100% try to weaponize it and a CEO would 100% try to monetize it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this is very much like what would happen. Um, If you do any research at all on what the CIA has done, just even the stuff we know about, just the stuff we know about. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's 100% believable. Um, And Kelsey Grammer is actually really good in this. Um, I, I really think that a lesser actor than Stanley Tucci would have probably made his character insufferable. Mm -hmm. At times, a hundred percent. So, you know, I just had fun with him because I I really enjoy him as an actor. Um, I I, you know, kind of enjoyed his character a lot more than I think I would have if some if this was somebody we'd never heard of. I completely agree. Jobs. And I completely agree. And too, can I? I'm sorry, Harrison. Can I just point out, like, no, even though it. I liked, uh, again, I am not going to go back and say. Oh, I didn't like Shia LaBeouf because I did. I, I I really enjoyed him in those first three movies. But where does the hate come for Shia LaBeouf? By the I way, I think just because he went what we call crazy, and I think no, I he's think, insane. I he think went people insane, yeah. judge him, and then they're just thinking about what they saw, and they just loop it into. Was it really just him doing the "just do it" video <laughs> that made people stop liking him? Uh, was that really what I mean, it was? It started with that. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it. I mean, I would say anybody who has questions about him, just watch Honey Boy. Oh, my gosh. Your heart will break for him. Yeah, that's good. Immediately. Um, Yeah, that's good. Anyway, Matt, you were saying. No, no, no. (laughs) But, you know, there were scenes when... You know, again, in Dark of the Moon, no offense, there's no way that tiny little kid Sam Witwicky is wrestling an actual military guy over the top of his car and fumbling around and being able to grab his walkie and scream for Bumblebee. That kid's broken in half by someone who's a trained military soldier. Mark Wahlberg, when he's sitting across from, and I forget Kelsey Grammer's character's name in the movie when he's sitting across the table from him and he's like, oh, do you mean like when you were going to shoot my little girl? Like he is believable as someone who's standing up to this guy who has stature. Shia LaBeouf never really did it for me as you could. As funny as he was and how much I liked him, when you look at it, he just never had the stature as a character that's like, I believe some of the things that he did. It, it wasn't 
Mark Wahlberg Agreed. is a believable action star where Shia LaBeouf is not a believable um, action right. star. And, you know, that's, again, not taking anything away from what Shia LaBeouf did with that character. But talking about why I like these human characters, Mark Wahlberg is a fit for what they have him do. I believe that this character would grab an alien gun and shoot it and do things like that. I do not believe and be good. I do not believe that with Sam Witwicky. I mean, the characters from Texas, clearly any gun (laughs) of any sort, he can just pick up and be a master with immediately. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I was going to say part of the reason that he works is because of the way that the characters are in part of that being Texan. No joke, like seriously, but also like as as cheesy as the line is, I'm an inventor like like that kind of mentality that you give this character and the fact that he's a really protective father of a 17 year old mm-hmm. girl in Texas who's a fairly attractive blonde like this character makes sense. And and I will say to kind of go back on some of my comments earlier, I liked Mark Wahlberg. As much as I miss Sam, as much as I miss those old characters, and I think that's one of the reasons that I like The Last Night so much is you get a good blend of Mark Wahlberg and what he does well in the Transformers series with those old characters and what they did well. And and it blends them well together. Again, it's been a while since I watched it. We'll get to that episode when we get to it. But I that, that's what I was remembering him for. And he does a good job here, but the relationship of that boyfriend just kind of got in the way of it too much where I couldn't see past that but if i move him out of the way i like mark Wahlberg. he's doing a good job i you're, you're convincing and i think too part of you know part of the problem is because this does feel like such a tonally different movie from the first three transformers and it tries to act as a soft reboot while mentioning chicago and things like that especially for maybe like us it is kind of hard to distinguish movie four from the first three movies where if you're just kind of like, Oh, well I miss these aspects. It's like, you know, for me, I can separate this movie from the first three and the characters that I did like and say, this is like, even though they mentioned Chicago, it's almost like, because like even Optimus doesn't mention that he used to have a friend that like reminds him of Cade Yeager. Like I had Sam Woodwicky who stood up for the Autobots and you remind me of this guy. Like, they don't even mention Sam in this movie. They don't mention anything else except for the Battle of Chicago. Like, and, and they also say that it's been like five years yes, or it's something. five years after Chicago. So I, I think for which they rebuilt strangely. Yes, I, I think for me that, you know, I I've separated this movie from the first three, so to speak. And, and with you saying that, it makes me curious. Like I said, I could see myself rewatching this in a few years when I want to binge the Transformers movies again, which I just know that I will. And now knowing this and having this conversation and kind of having like this mental reset, I wonder it's not going to be anytime soon (laughs) because these movies are long and I have other movies to watch. But when I do get back to them, I wonder what it's going to be like now knowing this, how I'm going to have that mental reset. And, and I think that the filmmakers tried to convey that when the movie, the font is different, the opening completely visually, this film is totally different Mm -hmm. from beginning to end in so many aspects. And I think that they were trying to convey that, that this is not what it was before. And I wonder how much more I'll like this movie when I go back and watch it through that, those eyes instead of the ones I did this time. You know, I almost kind of wonder if you, on a future binge, if you were to start with this movie instead of the first three, would you have a different opinion of it? Because it's really not that connected. I mean, yes, you can 
get that there was something that happened in Chicago, which they then just poor Chicago in this film series. Like it just gets pasted again. <laughs> just I mean, not wrecked. to the same extent, but yeah, they just start wrecking it all over again. You know, it's kind of almost like if you, not that I think there will be a big debate on how to watch the Transformers movies the way there is. Like, how do you watch Star Wars? Do you start with the prequels or do you start in the middle? Do you do release order or chronological order? Which, by the way, there's people talking about the chronological order of watching the Marvel movies. That's a dumb idea. Like, that's don't do that. Like, watch them no. in sequential order. Um, but uh, I w- almost kind of wonder, like, if you started with this and not ha- like having had watched the previous three so close, would you have a different opinion of it? Just watching it on its own. Because you could take the Battle of Chicago and just have it be Transformers touchdown. Decepticons and Autobots fought for whatever reason. It happened in Chicago. The Autobots won that battle. And then, you know, as time went on, the government was devising a plan to get rid of Autobots, Decepticons, build Transformers, save, you know, human lives for military applications. And the first two movies don't even have to happen. Like, if they would have somehow made, like, the first and again, like getting into semantics, but like the first half hour, if it was just a battle of Chicago somehow, like a recap of, you know, them fighting, this movie could be, oh, well, this is the beginning of Transformers. I'm thinking like in Avengers Endgame type thing where we have the battle of Chicago, Transformers come to Earth, like kind of, kind of combined the first act-ish of the first movie and then the battle of Chicago, but way shorter. And then you get the boom five years later, like you do in Avengers Endgame, And now we're telling our story type of thing, but we had to set it up so we could, uh, I could see that working. I always kind of wonder, you know, starting with right the, at the beginning of the movie, we kind of started to touch on it. Humanity ends their alliance with the Autobots literally right after the Autobots prove why they're needed. I think for me, yes. when I, when I, <laughs> When I think about the things that make this movie, it's just like right out of the gate, I'm already going, you morons, you already did that once and you got your asses kicked. Like then the Autobots came in, saved you and proved why you need them around. And then you're like, nah, fam, we're good. Be gone. Yeah, you, you literally blew them up or so you thought last time. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it's weird. And and like, especially the the way that it tries to make you think that the government is kind of secretly hunting down Autobots, but they don't want you to know that they're hunting down Autobots type of thing. Like, it's a weird, weird mix, which, back to Matt's point, which he said at the beginning, with Lockdown, the bounty hunter Transformers, like, that's a cool idea. Like, this strange third party that isn't the binary Autobots versus Decepticon. Like, if you would have showed, if you would have just presented that idea to me when I was so much younger, my head would have, like, exploded. Like, it would have cracked open. Like, you mean... A transformer isn't an Autobot or Decepticon. Like what? And, and that's exciting. That's cool. You know, like that expands. We'll talk about this more in another segment. Like, but that expands the lore that they've created. It kind of breaks it, but it also makes it new. Like you, you can't be doing this. We have had three movies of Autobots versus Transformers. How are we going to do that again? Well, this is a, a a new way to do that. Yeah, yeah. Sign me up. I will take a Transformalorian any day of the week you want to give it to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I thought that was a really interesting concept of, you know, when he asked Prime, like, you think you were born like you're created and they want like they want you back like you're not supposed to have free will. 
you're made for a purpose. You guys have gone against that. Even when he tells Kelsey Grammer's character, you know, you all think you're the center of the universe. You absolutely have no clue how big this, like how big this world is. Like those, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. I, that's what I was thinking with the next, what would happen with the next movie. Um, and that's not this conversation, but I thought that concept was really interesting. And then they never fully capitalized on it. Yeah. It's like, it's straight up like Prometheus vibes, which I agree with you. It kind of doesn't go anywhere. And I can't remember if it goes anywhere in the next movie, but it's like, that's a cool idea to, to do that. And, and, um, especially like at the beginning when you're confused what's going on, like when his face transforms into a gun and he shoots ratchet, like you're like, what the heck is going on? Like it, it totally, it's weird that I can, I can see their efforts that they were going to, to like get me in a new train of thought that just, I just wouldn't, I was kind of stubborn. <laughs> um, but yeah, any, any other thoughts about live up? Oh, I had one. I had one. Um, John Goodman was born to be, a fat transformer like oh my gosh <laughs> he is so good I, I, every single time he said something i was like why where was he from the beginning of this franchise he, he he's a fantastic voice actor for that character what is his hound i yeah john goodman he's great i uh, kind of felt that same vibe like man i kind of wish we would have had this character in the previous three movies too because i would have enjoyed that yeah also rob you you mentioned something about stanley stanley tucci also, this is totally random, but have ever this ever happened to anybody else? Most, I, this is a question to you and the two of you, but also anybody listening, let me know where like an actor or somebody famous, a director, whoever, anybody, anybody famous is kind of known as like their first and last name is one whole name. Like Christopher Nolan is Christopher Nolan. He's not Christopher. Do you get what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I was watching this movie and I was like, this guy, his name is Stanley. I was like, he is such a Stanley. The whole time, I don't <laughs> it was such a weird like meta anyway that aside Stanley Tucci he was fantastic I knew he was in the the next he's in the next one as Merlin and I think he's hilarious like I cannot wait for him as Merlin it is so great and so when he showed up I was like what the heck like how is he here twice but kind of a dumb character that he makes really fun Uh, we talked about um now I'm forgetting his name is on the tip of my tongue he was uh uh in the last movie, he was John Turturro's assistant. Uh, oh, I was going to drive me Alan nuts. Tudyk. Alan Tudyk, yeah. We talked about Alan Tudyk, and I, kn- I, I knew he was gone. I was like, no, we don't get Alan Tudyk. But then I saw Stanley Tucci. He's like, oh, I'll take him. And, and uh, he was fine. Yeah, so. it's kind of like Charlie Brown. You never refer to Charlie Brown as anything other than Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah. That, that was like so weird. I, I'm curious if that's ever happened. Like, and it was kind of mind-blowing. Like, this, is, this guy's name is Stanley. Like, uh, <laughs> and then I was sitting there like, does he go by Stanley or does he go by Stan? You know, and is he a Stan or is he a Stanley? No, and he definitely and I, like, does not go by Stan. There's no way he goes by Stan. I refuse yeah, to believe that. Oh, he is a Stanley without a doubt. 100%. So 100%. This is just messing with my brain in like the dumbest way. Uh, I am a weird individual when I watch movies, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Any other thoughts about expectations, how the movie did or did not live up? Um, I have one other that I, I just going through my notes here super quick. I, I felt kind of disappointed that this movie never had that Michael Bay magic that I love where you get an incredible, impressive combination of practical 
and digital effects. They're still here, but there was a lot of it where like I was never like really engaged in it or wowed, which I mean, you're not necessarily supposed to be engaged in the effects. You're supposed like, well, I don't know. The action scenes were really fun and they were good and well done, but they didn't have that same oomph that the others did. And I'm curious if that was the case for you. Like I just didn't, f- and, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the, the VFX that's making me not feel the oomph or something else, but, but somehow the action scenes just wasn't working the same way for me that it normally does. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I think in the first three films, there's a couple, there's multiple moments where you just go, God bless you, Michael Bay, you goofy bastard. You know, like there's, there's action scenes that have those moments where you're like, ah, nobody does this like you. I'm happy you exist. In this one, I don't know that I really have those, those moments. There's, there's fun action scenes. Sure. But there's no, there's no moment where you look at that and go only Michael Bay could have done that. Mm, yeah, I, you said it well. You helped me understand myself. Um, <laughs> I, I, for me, I feel that this movie had, even though there's not a ton of them, I felt that this movie had, uh, how am I trying to say this? Instead of having like two or three big action set pieces, like in Revenge of the Fallen and, you know, the first Transformers movie and Dark of the Moon, I did feel like he paced out some of the scenes more in this movie. So you didn't have these big, huge action set pieces, but you had some more individual battles that had good action, but they weren't the the big grandioso scheme that we were used to in the third movie. So I feel like they worked a little bit better for me because he had more of them throughout. That makes sense. I can see that, which is especially, like I said earlier, if you're expecting it to be like the other three movies and that's like your understanding of Transformers, it's very much not that. And that doesn't necessarily make it bad. But if you expect that and then it's not, you know, it's not that it's like buying a hamburger and then having it taste like fries, like mm-hmm. the just fries aren't bad, but that would just not work. Um, so that was a dumb analogy. <laughs> uh, anyway, on to the next segment, unless either of you have any other, more thoughts. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, okay, binge points. So Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind the scenes, any of that stuff that anybody wants to mention. Can, you know, go, go ahead. One of the first ones that really comes to mind. So I love how that they use uh, Bumblebee can't really talk. So he pulls in audio from all over the place. And um, he pulls in um, a line from John Goodman mm-hmm. in the film, The Big Lebowski. I'm calmer than you are um, in a movie with John Goodman in it. So. <laughs> Um, I just absolutely loved it. And uh, quick plug, if you also enjoyed the movie, The Big Lebowski, the way that I do, uh, my brother Eric and I covered it on an episode of Matt Goes to the Movies Extended Podcast Universe, available anywhere you get your podcast. So it's just, it's kind of meta and it's kind of fun. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the heck out of that moment. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I- there was more of, I can't put my finger on them now, but there was more of those where I was like, hey, I recognize that audio. Like, it's not just, not audio like it's not yeah 
anyway. Uh, uh, I was going to say, I think one of the, the big bench points for me, and I mentioned it in the, the two cents portion, this is a, a really, really God awfully shot movie. Um, in terms of you start with the scene in the Antarctic, there's a wide hmm. pan shot of that area as she's walking up to that spot. Tell me anywhere in that section where there's a freaking dinosaur in ice. Because then the very next shot, she's in the same location and there's that dinosaur frozen in ice. But yet in the big panoramic screen, that shot is not there. Like the continuity and shots is really, really bad in this movie. Even that chase scene with Galvatron, they are coming from traffic into traffic back from traffic. It's so weirdly shot and edited this movie that there's even two. another one that was glaring. Think about when the boyfriend pulls up into the car in the in the weeds. Mm-hmm. First of all, what is he doing? Because. Yeah, how does he know stuff's going down? Like he's just there. Right. He's just, I'm going to go over. If you today. remember that shot, that car pulls up. He's not in that freaking car. Yeah, I thought it was a transformer. Yes. I was like, there's not a driver he in that car. He's not in that seat. So, I yeah, I was like, okay, this is a transformer that knows Optimus is here. He's going to be part of the rescue. That kid is... Which makes more sense than what actually happened. That kid is not in that car in that establishing shot. And they focus on it enough where you can look and go, he's not there. Like... Okay, this car pulled up. It's a transformer. It doesn't make sense. Even when they're in the chase, again, they show a wide, a wide angle shot where they're in the cornfield. Where do they get onto like a highway like structure? Out of nowhere. They're like, take a left in the field, and then boom, they're in they're on a highway, and then they're in abandoned old construction buildings. Like, there's there's yeah. no continuity in their shots in this movie at all. It's so bad. Uh, I wrote down that exact scene and I'm glad you pointed it out. And then the weird thing is right after that, they have this, this military group, government agency, just shooting at civilians. Mm-hmm. Like you're not worried about killing civilians. It's just weird. And and that was part of, like I said earlier, I knew this movie was long. And so I was kind of looking for the ways to, for it to be cut down. There are consistently establishing shots or we see a car, you know, one of the Transformers in car mode driving somewhere. Mm-hmm. And just to have another establishing shot. Like, for every new scene, we had two or three establishing shots that I was like, wait, and how are these establishing shots connected? Like, you, yeah, they just really didn't work. And there's a lot of shots like that where just, it's not necessarily that the shot is bad, but the way that it's cut to the next one is just That's like, why was that included? Like, that was not a necessary scene. Like, Two seconds to show a car driving on the road, even though the next scene is them in the car pulling up. Like, I don't think I needed Bumblebee zooming past the camera in a transition. Yeah. Did know. you did you also notice, too, how Mark Wahlberg's hair changes in the same shot? Like, cons- like yes. consistently throughout the entire movie, his hair changes repeatedly. And the other thing is there's there's two other things I want to point out with how it was filmed. One, when Tessa is in the car and she gets sucked up by the net right before that, 
it there's consistently different shots above the car in the car outside the car and that driver door is open and closed so many different well, times look like, at them running too when they're running towards the car it's it, they stop and then he's like then the boyfriend's behind him then the boyfriend has stopped walking then the like he stopped running then the next shot he's running again only to stop like it, yeah there's the cuts are weird um and then the and we talked about like where could they cut down scenes and stuff and it's not that the the scene is long but when they're going to china the way that the cycle works it goes night to day to night to day in the shots that they establish again so you think there's two full days that have passed but the decepticons have been in china that entire time looking for the seed so what the hell were they doing yeah, like it, it doesn't make sense. And the Autobots are sitting there at that ship, which, again, lockdown doesn't have security measures that would alert him that a ship has detached. From the main vehicle like that doesn't make sense, but yeah, the way that these scenes are cut. It's just it, it's weird. And then the stunt doubles, too. That's the last thing I'll say that scene where he's fighting the guy from. Uh, shit. What's the the name of the group? Cemetery Wind. When he's yes. fighting him in the apartment, that, that is not Mark Wahlberg at all, and then they don't care that you know it. According to IMDb, Mark Wahlberg did ninety percent of his stunts. Well, then that's the I'm not then convinced. That's the ten percent that they. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, if him. they considered a stunt just to show up to the set of this movie, then sure. He smack. He, you know <laughs> yeah. what? He smack. He ninety percent of the time smacked that Bud Light bottle off the door, so he could drink. So oh, hundred percent. That was him. <laughs> uh, can I just say um, the product placement in general in this movie is actually distracting? Oh, and they're in every Transformers movie, but here it's actually yeah. bad. It's very distracting. Oh yeah. Yes. The There's other thing some- that I was. I was going to say, there's oh, some ahead. product placement that feels natural. Like, if you show me a shot of Times Square, like, yeah, that's what Times Square looks mm-hmm. like. It's all product placement of everything. So some of it makes sense. Some of it feels like the world is lived in. And other times, it's so obvious, like, there's a giant Tom Ford billboard. Like, uh, come on. Like, you know, like, there's a giant Chevy bow tie billboard somewhere else. And it's like, yes, I know GM gave you all of these cars and they're getting something back in return. But could you be a little less on the nose? I like, I mean, sure. There's a Bud Light truck that you crash into and it blows up, but then you have to have a shot where you literally scan over Bud Light bottles on the ground. Like who left that in the movie? It is so unnecessary and it's very much, this is an ad. Okay. Back to the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. The, the other thing I was going to say, well, two things before I forget, Matt, you said this to me or you reminded me of this. Sorry. When, lockdown is about to take off he turns around and like looks back over his shoulder to the camera and says prepare for interstellar launch who is he talking to who is he there is no one near him why is he saying that it is clearly exposition and it's cringy as he's ever. on a, he's on the his second thing that was <laughs> <laughs> talking to the dogs that just got shredded by bumblebee um the the second thing was that michael bay is kind of notorious for shooting actors legitimately in a car legit legitimately driving but blowing out the uh, background so that it's like white. He just cranks the gamma on his camera. Like, go look at the first Transformer movie. Almost any time mm-hmm. um, uh, Sam and Michaela are in the car together, they're actually 
on a set somewhere driving with a legit background. It's not green screen, but the background is so blown out that it looks like they're being they're right next to the sun. Like he's kind of notorious for that, especially in Transformer movies. This one, they didn't do that, but they put him on a green screen. Mm-hmm. There are so many times where they are driving the the four of them or the three of them. They're driving. And it is very clear that the inside of the car is on a green screen, like glaringly bad. Your visual effects look this good, but I can tell a green screen right away. When I know that this director is notorious for not shooting on a green screen and also making it look a specific way. So if you are going to use a green screen, use a green screen and then blow it out and have it be consistent with what it is before. I don't know. That just that like really just distracted me frequently in the movie. And so I'm very upset about it. If you can't Mm -hmm. I kind of thought it was interesting. So in the, you know, if you look at Optimus Prime's original design in the cartoon, it's the, it's the, you know, the, the truck with the flat front when they specifically chose to put the engine outside of the cab for the first three films. uh, And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong guys, but I believe the part of the reason they did that was to um, highlight more motion when the, the vehicle actually transforms. Yes. precisely. Yeah. So, I just kind of thought it was cool the first time we see Optimus in this movie when he was the beat up, you know, destroyed version of the truck. They kind of gave us a little bit of a wink and an Easter egg to the original design where it's that more of that flat front look. And then for some reason, like he they immediately kill it for me because he's like, I need the Transformers to rescue me. And then he just drives past a different truck that's way cooler looking. And he just kind of scans it and go and 3D prints himself as the cooler truck. And now he doesn't need medical attention anymore. So it's. You know, it was cool until they just went very inconsistent with with how they the rules dictate how their universe works. And I'll say that when he's transformed, the redesign of Optimus is awesome, but oh, I really so don't cool. like the car. The the, the semi truck just looks ugly to me, and maybe that's just personal preference. But when he's transformed as Optimus, he looks sweet. Can I can I say though that it, putting aside because yeah, it's just like wait, if you like, how does rescanning that truck? cure everything that's wrong with you like whatever fine (laughs) but that scene where should have had jazz do that in the first movie (laughs) but that scene where he's driving through and goodman's like he's back and he's shooting the gun and he's like optimus is here and then he pulls up like i was all for like optimus transforming into his new form like i thought that was awesome oh yeah I would say the way that it's done and then they get all the transformers around each other and they transform like that's a sweet scene and the score is rousing like yeah that is an awesome scene it really does work that score I think it like jolts me more than the original for whatever reason I really do like the score in this movie of the transformers and I was like this is such a kick-ass moment with Optimus being back in the Transformers again granted how it doesn't make sense that all of a sudden there's all these new Transformers and Optimus is fine but just like the music and the transforming I was like this is such a cool scene for me yes I thought that was awesome Um, two other binge points here super quick I forgot what one of them was Um, oh yeah two things there are two quotes from the movie that I was just like this is hilarious. Like these are so meta to me that I I couldn't stop laughing. Like when they go to the uh, uh, theater and they're getting all the old parts, or whatever. And the old guy, he's like, "Oh, the problem these days is just the movies, all a bunch of sequels and remakes, bunch of crap." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that that really got me. And then at the end, when trans when Optimus Prime gives out the rousing speech and then rides off on uh, the dinosaur whose name I'm forgetting right now, one of the Transformers is like, 
you just want to die for that guy. That's leadership or brainwashing or something. And then the other one's like, no, that's Optimus Prime. Like that is the most accurate description of my feeling towards Optimus Prime. And I love that they finally put that in the movie. Um, the one I actually last wrote that line down uh, uh, to talk about for Fall In. Oh, <laughs> me too. So <laughs> I, I just love it though. Like as a binge point on a meta level, like it's just fun. Like, yeah, we all acknowledge that about Optimus Prime that we would. Um, one, the last binge points I have here and then you're welcome to any when uh, Kelsey Grammer's character when they first escape him you know like when we just talked about Optimus gets his new redesign when he, they first escape him and he's kind of in a room with a bunch of computers and he like right before that he told everybody to leave um, when he gets mad he throws a rotary phone mm-hmm. like at least they make the sound like it looks like a rotary phone and he chucks it super quick and they make the rotary phone noise, like the kind of ringing noise. Like, <laughs> uh, why is it a rotary phone? <laughs> um, I just thought that was funny. So, um, yeah. Any other binge points or details from anybody? I'm like quickly scanning through IMDb here if there's anything. Uh, apparently, Michael Bay described John Goodman as a fat ballerina. And so that became a fat ballerina with guns. So that became into the movie. So. I mean, it's it's not a binge point, but this I mean, maybe we can consider it that. But this movie did start the decline of the domestic take for Transformers, where this movie really was saved by its international box office. Yes, hugely saved by it. And I wonder and I I think that uh, to their credit is uh, paramount knew that they saw how successful their movies were internationally and they're like we're going to china mm-hmm. in this movie <laughs> and uh, they made it work because well, this um, domestically it didn't this domestically made less than the opening weekend of revenge of the fallen no way yeah this that's yeah bad. like i mean this made over 100 million for its opening and then it just just tanked wow that's bad um the last binge point I had, where did it go? Um, Michael Bay, he originally was done with Transformers um, mm-hmm. after the third one. He, was, he wasn't going to direct the fourth. Um, and then he went and went to, um, went to Universal Studios and saw the Transformers ride and saw tons of people waiting, according to this, three blocks to ride the ride. And he realized at that point he wasn't ready to leave the franchise. So. That's why he made another one, which interesting reason. What an interesting fellow, Michael Bay. Yeah, he could literally hear the cash register sound going cha-ching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Also, too, like for a guy who is supposedly good, there's another point where I'm like, this is just a really poorly shot movie. Um, the on-set extra, the camera guy that's in the shot when lockdown uh, when Optimus shoots or lockdown shoots at Cade Yeager from behind the wall and the cameraman is standing right next to him. Oh yeah. Put, I, I was like, was that another person? Yeah, no, it's, it's a member of the crew. Like you literally rewind it back and it's a crew member that they put in the shot for no reason. And they even said that that oh, was geez. a mistake. That That's like at the beginning of it when they're hunting ratchet and they had that like suburban or whatever pulls mm-hmm. up and the and it has like the screens. They left a bunch of the screens yes. green. Like they just forgot to put it was whatever on it. And it, so it's just a green screen. Yep. Like, like, well, it's, it's literally a green screen. Wow. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Any any other any other details or bench points anyone wants to mention? I I honestly can't believe though, and again, this is always Harrison, you say this a ton. I honestly <laughs> can't believe that this is 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I feel like that is yeah. just it's so low. That is cruel. That's worse than this movie deserves. This is not a good movie, but it does deserve a little better than that. Um, it, it, apparently, it's the highest grossing movie of 2014. So, <laughs> you know, the one thing that I I didn't fully understand, and maybe I missed something. Optimus walks in towards the end of this movie, and he just kind of walks in, and the Dinobots are behind him, just kind of casually hanging out, and then he kind of introduces them, and then begins to fight them. Yeah, what it's the heck? Very strange. Like, okay, so he he does this whole elaborate entrance with them. Like they're kind of like all just sort of hanging out, waiting for their moment. And then he's just like, all right, well, join me or die. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess die it is, you know, and they <laughs> will fight, I suppose. Like we were just kind of sort of hanging for a moment. Like, I, I don't know. It's just the the choices there felt very weird. Um, I, I And there's the staging and the blocking of where those characters were together. Um, I don't know. It just it seemed like, you know, they, they were kind of like somebody was sitting around set with a stopwatch going. All right, when's the last time we had two giant alien robots punching each mm-hmm. other? And the guy looks at the stopwatch and goes, it's time. We got to do it now. Okay, shoot it. Yeah, I, I agree. The blocking was very weird. For a long time, I thought that however many, you know, humanoids there were, that they all transformed into one. And then I was like, oh, there's others. And and it is weird how he, like, frees them and then lets them walk up. I, I It brought me back to the first time I watched the movie where he's like, like, oh, wow, he just let these, like, new transformers out like they're gonna go in and just wreck it in like humanoid form and then he starts battling them and then it's a dinosaur and it was like just really awkwardly progressed from point a to point b and like you said it's like join me or die well i guess mm-hmm. die and I don't know. like <laughs> so. i woke up and chose violence today. yeah it's, that <laughs> exactly. was it, it still is even watching it now that's a really weird transition because he walks out and he's like legendary warriors and then yeah it's all of a sudden like they misheard him and he was like yeah these weak <laughs> like like it's like he dissed them and they're like no we gotta fight it is a really weird cut so and then yeah. he just smacks them and the t-rex is like all right <laughs> like it's like right, go ahead and climb, on, yeah. climb on my back let's go fight yeah his jaw is totally like busted in half right. and then he, he, he like gets on it and he's like or die and like scrapes the sword against like this part of its mm-hmm. face like that's not even his throat and what is that sword going to cut through it's i still can't believe though like how is this movie rated less than revenge of the fallen i'm sorry this movie is not worse than revenge of the fallen i i will say yeah, and again, kind of tipping my hat for Rumsfeld on. I still like Revenge of the Fallen better oh, than this, okay. but I under but 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 that is very much a personal bias that I can see through and say this should like I'm surprised that that's the Rotten Tomatoes consensus. I I'm like, do you yes. get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, any other binge points or details anybody has? I think I've said that like so many times, and then we keep having more details. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all of them. Okay, we will move on to the next segment, which is least and likes. This is our least favorite scene or least favorite element or component and our favorite about this movie. And uh, Matt, I'll have you go first with your least favorite. 
I mean, the least favorite element of this movie, it, it has to be the fact that somebody knew about the law in Texas that allows a 20-year-old to legally date a minor because they had a pre-existing relationship when he was considered a minor. Um, yeah, the fact that they decided that they found out that the law was real other than just making them the same age is really bizarre. Um, like really bizarre. Like even if I was the, like if I was the girl's parents in real life, I'd be like, you're going to change that. Like I, I would find a way to infiltrate one of those meetings and be like, yeah, you're changing that. You're a creep. Cause that means a 17 year old was dating a 14 year old. What does a 17 year old have in common with a 14 year old? Right. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. So to me, that is just, it, it's really out of everything that's happened in those Transformers movies, you know, up to this point, the, you know, the mom talking about Sam's member, the objectification shots of Megan Fox, the, uh, you know, objectification shots of the new one in, in Dark of the Moon. Not Carly. Carly. Yeah, none of those are any of the dialogue. None of those are as on a strictly like molecular real level as weird and as off putting as what they decided to do in this movie. It's just it's it's super inexcusable. Yes, I'm going to say that and say that is my least favorite part and my least favorite scene is just about every single scene where the dad and the boyfriend, the dad, Mark Wahlberg's character, and the boyfriend interact with each other. It is horrible, especially in that first act. Mm -hmm. Every time they talk to each other, I cringe. And it just, it is unnecessary, does nothing for the story. It isn't beneficial in any way. And that boyfriend character does nothing to contribute to the film. He, He makes no substantial difference besides the one escape that they get it's edited horribly that they could have accomplished another way. Everything about it, I don't Also, like. I'm not a rally car driver. I don't know if you guys knew that about me, so I'm sorry if I've been keeping secrets from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I thought, I thought you were. But I also don't get, like, when he's like, two people, one driver, one navigator, and he's like, she's got the best hands in the business. It, it does not take skill to pull a freaking parking brake. Like, and the navigator doesn't even do that. The driver does yeah, that. It's just, w- and it's weird. That scene where he's like, grab my stick. It, it's just like, you do not have to ride it that right. way. Like, if you really <laughs> feel so persistent on making it the way it is and, and having a scene with this, you do not have to do that. It is, it is just. Oh, but Michael Bay yeah. does. <laughs> I can't defend that he nature of him, but he has I, to. I mean, You're he, right. could, he, can't he could have asked Cade. He could have been like, I need you to pull the emergency brake. Like, I need you to pull this lever when I say so. Because he's sitting who co- next to him. Which there's no reason to do that. A guy who can drive a rally car. And I don't know if either of you guys drive a stick shift or not, but um, that's like the point. Like you. You're in control yeah. of the vehicle. Like, you know, when you're turning, so only you can pull the emergency brake to get the spin that you need. Like, there's to try to have a second person do it at exactly the moment that you're going to put the car into a spin. It, you have mm-hmm. to be doing it yourself. It's not like it, it's not like in Pacific Rim where you have two people mm-hmm. like sharing a brain controlling a Jaeger. Like, that's not that's not how that works. It's stupid. And, and to, 
and it, to call the stick, like if if I were sitting in shotgun and he's like, pull my stick, I thought he would be talking about the shifter, like that. Right. You know, that's what people call the stick. Like, who calls it's it a the stick handbrake shift. a stick? Yeah, yeah. Nobody. Who calls a handbrake a stick? It's the Somebody handbrake or the e-brake. Phallic re- reference yeah. without actually saying it and and trying to just pull another Stupid. immature childish. Potty yeah, joke. I would have been like, well, you better be taking me to a fancy restaurant, but like, <laughs> and then maybe we would have uh, seen. Michael Bay might have some words <laughs> with you as you drive to the restaurant he's taking you um, to. By the way, Matt's idea of a fancy restaurant is nowhere near as, as fancy as no, you think it is. it's not. He's thinking like Arby's on a Friday night. Uh, the five for five. <laughs> Although in the day of inflation, it's probably like 625 or whatever. But um. <laughs> yeah, but every scene with him is just it, like even after that whole thing happens, like you have their friend Shane die, you get shot at and like this punk is like my life savings were in that car. And it's like you would not have the balls to say that or you would like or you're a real scumbag human being that you're going to bring that up right now. Like that, I- he, the thing is, he is either an absolute idiot mm-hmm. because, I mean, just look at the size of Mark Wahlberg's arms. Mm-hmm. Just in, like <laughs> it, compared to you, that guy could level you. And he, and he just found out that you're dating his daughter, who is a minor. Like you really want to just test. You're on thin ice, dude. And, and so he's just either dumb or written like just an absolute. Yeah. D bag who you do not want to date your daughter. So even if you, even if they do have the Romeo and Juliet dog, I'd be talking to my daughter and saying, this guy is just not a good guy. He's not someone mm-hmm. that you want to date. Find someone else. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just, he's just a dumb character all and the way the through. The line later where he's like, I like to stay fresh when I'm making out with your daughter. It's like, dude, you're so disrespectful. Like you, you really are. <laughs> who, who, I'm married and I don't have the audacity to say anything near right. that to my in-laws. Like, like that's just, who does <laughs> that? The, the, I would, I have a phenomenal relationship with my in-laws. I would never say that to my father-in-law. Yeah, I would I, never I say live that. in their basement apartment and we eat dinner with them almost every night. Like I'm very close to that. I would, you just don't say no. those things. And you the, just don't. The realest line of their entire dialogue, because there's some real crap later where Mark Wahlberg's like, you promise you'll take care of her forever until the end of time and keep her safe. It's like, no, he's not going to. You've seen him wuss out a million times. But the realest line yeah. of dialogue that the two of them have together when he's like, this goes two ways. I punch you right in the mouth. And it's like, yeah, that's probably what would have happened in real life. Like. That dad yeah. would have socked him in the jaw. And if it didn't happen, then when he made that line of, I like to stay fresh when making out with your daughter, he would have been like, yeah, I already warned you. Bam. Like, and would have clocked him. Yeah. So, so besides these complaints, Rob, did you have a different least favorite th- thing? You know, it's kind of a series of scenes. that's all right in the same realm of what you're talking about. It starts when the CIA kind of hits their farm and they've got her on the ground and they've got the gun to her head and he gives the order to shoot the 17 year old girl. That to me is look, it's within range of what the CIA would do. Like, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to say that that's not, um, it is, but, um, it is a little bit it kind of like, it just pulls me out of the movie because like I have a reaction to that, that, that makes me stop and realize I'm watching a movie because I have like a a personal, Mm -hmm. just like, Oh God, you know, that's, that's awful. Like, this is terrible. Like, 
why, why is this here? Like it, I, I have such a reaction to it that pulls me right out of what I'm watching. And then we get the kid in the matchbox car that somehow figures out a way to outdrive a helicopter and trained CIA operatives who actually do this stuff and do urban driving among all of their other training. And a kid in a rally car in a four banger outruns these guys in souped up like dune buggy, like supercars. Well, it's, it's because in, he's sponsored by well, Red Bull. He ex- yeah, it's <laughs> awful. And he explains it too. He's he's having a great day. He he. It, it's one piece of which is why I thought the car was a transformer the yeah, whole time. It's one piece of because throwaway said, dialogue. He's like, I don't know how I'm driving this good. I'm just I'm just on today. I was waiting for it to be a transformer, like because and, of that yeah. line. And, and when they, he like jumps through the window or is it a window? Whatever. He jumps from the building. I was like, the, the, this thing's transforming. And I've seen the movie and I know it's not a transformer, <laughs> but it's whole, leading you to that point. The whole way they escape from the factory is so dumb. So that whole just series of, of scenes put together. Um, and, and yeah, like you had already mentioned, like the fact that, you know, TJ Miller gets, you know, uh, uh, chromed or whatever it is that happens to him. Um, and, and just the, the way that the boyfriend kind of reacts to it, just that whole series of scenes is terrible and I hate it. Yeah. Cause yeah. no offense. They're not doing that repeatedly because she's like, take them upstairs and lose them on the fifth floor. It's like you, you're not doing that more than once. You're not practicing that consistently. Cause that car would be destroyed on a regular basis. Your suspension is not, yeah, your oh. suspension's not good enough to handle that multiple times. No way. Uh, is, uh, the the rims cracked. Well, well, duh. Like, there's no way that you knew that you could do that. Yeah. Because your your entire life savings is in this car, so you're going to treat it like a very Which nice is fine, thing. but the cars chasing him still have twice the engine right. that he does. At least twice and the number of cylinders. Twice the suspension. A helicopter! Like, mm-hmm. There are helicopters, plural, more than one, chasing him, and he can somehow outdrive a helicopter! Just to, for later in the movie, when they're chasing... Uh, J- uh, not John Turturro, uh, Stanley Tucci's character, and uh, Kelsey Graham is like, we have him on, we have him on satellite or whatever. Mm-hmm. We have his car. Thinks you can run, outrun the CIA? Like, well, some Red Bull kid yeah. did. <laughs> we, we've already established <laughs> that people can. Like, yeah. Okay, so let's see if there is a favorite scene. Matt, you go take it away. Okay. Um. Well. Uh, Again, just the the establishing shot of Prime. Again, take out all the factors of it doesn't make sense, but the establishing shot of Prime going into the mountain area, the Transformers knowing that he's back, the music that's playing, that scene is, I love that. It's great. Just from a aesthetic standpoint, I, I love that scene. Um, it really like jacked me up while watching the movie. I also really do like the I do like the China battle scene and when he starts picking up all of these things and dropping them to try and lure them out uh, when lockdowns using his ship. I, I like that a lot. I think that scene is cool. Now, again, I just suspend disbelief because some things are getting picked up. Some things aren't, you know, um, there's shots that establish that they're way higher up in the air. And if they drop to the ground, they would be dead. Um, They would have broken bones, but it's just a really cool visual effect. And Optimus riding a fricking T-Rex and slicing Decepticons in half is 
pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, because you mentioned those scenes, for the sake of differentiating, I'm going to choose a different favorite scene, but I, I agree with those. I really enjoy those as well. The one that I enjoy is in the China battle, but it's when Hound um, is just unloading John Goodman's yeah. character in every way. Like, he's unloading his ammo, and this the amount of lines that John Goodman is able to have in a row, and the lines that match that character perfectly is just so much fun. Like, that, in fact... Not just for the sake of differentiating. That is my favorite scene. Those others are, I would say, uh, runner-up. But that is my favorite scene when Jod Goodman is just unloading. And, I mean, he's in a voice box somewhere. But it sounds like he's having a good time. And I'm having mm-hmm. a good time. And, and the way that it's made, it really feels like this Transformer is John Goodman. And he's having a good time. And he's a Transformer. Like, it's all, all the magic of movie making is really, is really being magical in that moment for me. It's hard to not choose the final battle when nine-year-old inner Rob is like super excited about giant alien robots who are actually T-Rexes and Mm -hmm. other dinosaurs uh, having big battles. Like that's hard not to pick as a favorite scene. Um, So if I was going to pick something else, just not to pick something that's already been chosen, I do sort of like some of the uh, early moments we get with TJ Miller. I find him very funny in movies. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to differentiate him in this movie from him in the Deadpool series. Yep. Um, he's just, he's just really funny to me when he's on camera. Um, uh, and I'm really only speaking on camera. I know that there's some stuff that's happened off camera and I, I have no interest in discussing that really. I, I'm just simply talking about what we have on camera. Um, but, you know, I was actually really bummed out when he got, you know, uh, wiped out very early into this movie. I was, I was really hoping for more because uh, I, I typically find him really funny in movies. So there was some there's some stuff at the beginning with him that's that's really quite good. I agree. And and the banter that him and Mark Wahlberg have is genuinely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. got a good, a good, genuine like like I, that football scene where he just gets taken out with the football to the head and he tries and throws it back. He's like, I'll leave it like. It just it got me going, and he's he's genuinely funny. Um, yeah, I don't you know whatever is going on with him, but but I was I had the same emotion like oh man he was a he was a comedic relief and he's just gone. And then I would say that the comedic relief after that point never came back to that level. Yeah, which is I, I think too. Again, if we would have had you know the boyfriend out of the picture, and it would have been just about Cade trying to protect his daughter it wouldn't have been missed, but because like of the character that we lost and then the character that kind of took over the screen time, it, it's a huge drop. It's a, it's, it's a major decline. Vaporize the boyfriend. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> I, I do want to make an honorable mention cause I was thinking about it. I really do not like the temper tantrum scene with Bumblebee. I think it's stupid with, with, st- temper with tantrum. stinger. Where he's like, oh, uh, yeah, where he's like, I'm, yeah, that I'm not, was so I, I'm dumb. not touching him. I'm not touching him. And it, I was like, this is insanely stupid. And then the way that Stanley Tucci character comes in, he's like, get it out of here. Like they were just doing donuts for, from your knowledge. You don't know there's a transformer. Right. They were just doing donuts in your showroom. Like, and you don't know if they're their employee or not. You're just going to tell them to like, you're not going to arrest them. Also, that's another one of those weird shots where they show them like God knows where in on top of a building across from KSI. But then they actually physically show the Transformers close enough to the building that they're parked. 
And then once they find out that they're breaking down Ratchet, all of a sudden they're like three miles down the road from the KSI building and have to drive for like a minute establishing shot to get back to the building. It was like, where? wait, yeah. where did you go? And, and that's yeah. not a least or like, but it's just, again, this movie has very weird cuts. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think we got all those there on to the next segment, which is Transformers translation. This is where we talk about the lore or history or whatever the, the elements of Transformers. What parts of it translate well to this movie? What parts don't? Before I get your specifics, I did have a question. The Transformium or whatever the metal is called and Stinger and Galvatron and the new way that they transform. What is your thoughts about that or what are your thoughts about that since I can speak English? I meh. Yeah, I mean, the name is stupid. Um, what else are you going to do with it, though? But uh, somehow not as bad as unobtainium. unobtainium. The, <laughs> the core. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just again, it's a. It's a cool concept. Flawed. Like designing your transformers is cool, but again, the product placement of do you like the pill like you could have gone without that. You didn't have to have that scene. You didn't have to like if you would have just said you're able to program this matter and shown those decept like, well, not Decepticons at the time, but the transformers that we created transforming in a different way. That's cool. I don't really need an explanation because the explanation, like I know the explanation in my head is going to be stupid anyway, but when you show it to me, then it's just too real. Yeah, I, I, my personal feeling is I feel like the Transformium like totally ruins the universe of Transformers that they've established. Like suddenly these Transformers can just pretty much turn into like a liquid metal and transform like seamlessly. And they can also like there's one fight where they transform like mid fight to dodge, which then none of them do later. Like the big fight on the highway when they get taken up in the net and they're fighting. I think Galvatron, he mm-hmm. like transforms mid fight in the weird particleiness. Yeah. And it, it, it just that and I that was one thing that I did remember about this is that it had the particle transformation, which I just don't like. There's just so much about it that I just I really, really don't like, and I and it, I, I feel like it's just because it feels because Bumblebee and, says after that in his car voice, he says, "What was that?" Like right after yeah. he transforms, and and I don't think it ever comes back in the next movie at, at all, which I'm grateful for, and it, it genuinely feels like. Again, I'm not a VFX artist, but I do a lot. Of, I I read and listen to a lot about VFX artists. My understanding is that transformation with the particles is a lot easier to do than the transformations that we typically understand because there's less animation to do mm-hmm. and you can simulate it more. And so maybe that understanding as well just makes it, I mean, it just feels cheap, like story wise and kind of like logic wise, it feels cheap, but then also visually it feels cheaper. Like you're just doing this to make your visual effects faster. I think audiences sometimes fluctuate between demanding more explanation and demanding less explanation. So I I understand that aspect of what I'm about to say, but I think there's times that we as an audience don't need to see how the sausage is made. Yeah, we really don't. Um, I don't need to understand Transformium. I don't need midichlorians. I don't need either of them. Let me just headcanon my own stuff. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I think too, there's, there's a concept there that again, the fact that the transformers creators, you know, nuked the planet to create the metal to create them. I think like, it feels like there was something there and then they never, like, again, like, we probably didn't need it, but it felt like maybe there was more of a design explanation of originally what this metal was going to be and how they were creating, but we just never get the explanation. Now, like Rob said, do we need it? Probably not. But when you put it in the movie, again, it's just, it's very, and then you don't do it. Yes. It's just very glaring. Yeah. It it did. It did kind of feel like we were going to like a a Prometheus sort of thing where, you know, you have some kind of architect or whatever they call that character. That's at the beginning of that movie who sacrifices himself. And that's why we have life on planet Mm -hmm. earth. It just kind of seemed like they keep moving back the timeline just over and over again. Okay. So in the first movie, you know, Megatron showed up because he was chasing the, the cube and that was in the 1800s, early 1900s, whatever. Oh, no, they've actually been here since ancient Egypt. Oh, no, we also had uh, a mission on the moon because they landed there, too. Oh, no, uh, Transformers have actually been here since prehistory, like in the Cretaceous period. Like, I don't know, like it just. They keep trying to add this to make it deeper and deeper, and I don't know how much of it is truly successful. I, I guess I would say most of it is not. Yeah, that, that's precisely how I feel. So I'm curious of the element. What other elements do you feel do or do not translate well? I will say that Galvatron, the way that they bring about Galvatron, I'm totally okay with. I think that that makes sense if you want to make Galvatron, and we've had Ultron for so long. This is a explainable way to do that and i mean come on you got to bring megatron back you can't have him be dead if you're gonna have more transformer movies um you know i'm i'm okay with that i was really skeptical because i knew he came back as galvatron but i didn't remember how so i was gonna i was really skeptical of it but it worked for me it worked enough i would say like i I, are there better ways to do it that i think could have worked a lot better that would have been more interesting yes but knowing that this is the way they've done it i'm accepting it's acceptable, I should say. I, I will say, too, with Galvatron, um, I do remember first seeing this movie and then like watching it again a long time ago. My last thought on it was I wasn't a fan of his design, but I found myself this time not like disliking it as much as I did during my first initial watch. And then my second watch, however many years ago that was like, I do remember thinking his design, like I literally was like his design sucks the first time I saw the movie. And then I was like, yeah, it's actually not that bad. Um, I do like though, that the names that they give for these guys, Stinger Galvatron, like if you're trying to create like your own Autobots, like Galvatron doesn't seem like a good guy's name. Like, yeah. I, I, but so, but I, I do remember that about watching this movie this time that I was like, yeah, his design's not that bad. And I like that he uses that, like, whatever it is in the middle of his chest. Mm-hmm. You know, that was fun. I think one of the biggest things you have to say about this movie. So Age of Extinction. The title makes you think dinosaurs, makes you think Dinobots. The poster has the T-Rex mm-hmm. on it. Makes you think Dinobots. The beginning of the movie, they show you in, in the Cretaceous period. Makes you think, all right, we're getting Dinobots. And you do get Dinobots. For like, I don't know, a cup of coffee, 
and, and not much longer. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, and that's and these are characters that longtime fans of this property really enjoy. Um, if you're gonna go ahead and give us alien T Rex robots, um, why don't why don't you give it to us for more than just the final battle? Like actually, like give us that. Like find a way to incorporate that a lot more. Um, I would say that's that's probably one of the biggest letdowns of this film is they're just so underutilized. I think people would have loved to have them more prominently featured uh, com- considering how much else of this movie doesn't work. You're going to tell me you've got T-Rex robot aliens that you don't use and you give me, you know, the boyfriend and the dad bickering <laughs> and stupidly like what what do you want more? Do you want T-Rex alien robots? Or do you want this crap? Um, I, I, it's pretty easy which one I want. Yeah, very well said. And, and it's, it's disappointing that, like, they... Here's the other thing, is that they really kind of crack open the egg of Transformers lore. Like, Transformers have creators. Uh, there's those... Yeah. Fle- I, I, assuming there's creators, are those fleshy-looking things? Like, they're not mechanical. They're not Transformers. There's a non-Autobot Decepticon Transformer in lockdown, or whatever his name is. Uh, like these are all new ideas that just go absolutely nowhere. And there's creatures like by too. the end of like when they're what? when they're yes. in his ship, there's alien creatures that he has captured. Yeah, there's, there's like a whole universe that, that the Autobots know. They're like, I hate those things. Like they're familiar with them, and it goes nowhere. Like none of it feels like it's like. Did you lockdown? Did not have to be the bounty hunter. Like he could have, he could have been a Decepticon. Like, like there's not a lot about the way that these characters are or the creators being a thing that, I mean, besides the transforming him, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of disappointing. It's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I haven't read all the comics. I, I haven't watched all the series. I don't know if this is or is not Transformers lore. It feels very new. It feels like it's not. Hey, it feels like we're doing something new with Transformers. Cool. Oh, I guess we're not. Like you just told me you were going to, but we're not. And it's kind of disappointing. So, um, all right. Any, anything else that, that translates well or does not? Okay. Well, then we will move on to the final segment, Fall In. This is going to be interesting. This <laughs> is where we talk about the meaning or the messages, the, the moral of the story, as my dad always said. And with these Transformer movies, keeping it in here, especially for the benefit of, you know, sticking it up the nose of my film professor and trying to find something substantial and actually applicable to our life and worthwhile in an absolutely insane movie that is Transformers Age of Extinction. Uh, Rob, you mentioned earlier a quote that I mentioned about Transformers leadership, Optimus Prime's leadership that you wrote down for Fallen. I'm curious what your thoughts were about that. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. He says, you just want to die for the guy. That's leadership or brainwashing. Um, You know, I think sometimes it might be hard to tell the difference, but, um, you know, it's it kind of reminds you, uh, a lot of us have been fortunate enough over our lives to have had influential mentors in a lot of different ways, be it a teacher, be it a little league coach, uh, martial arts instructor, uh, you know, a band teacher, um, you know, a sports coach, all of these different things. Um, and then we get to adulthood. Maybe you've had a boss or or even just kind of a senior colleague uh, that does the same job as you that that looked after you. And, and um, you know, it's just it just kind of makes you 
take a stop and think sort of about some of those things because there's definitely people that you think back to that you used to you know maybe you're still lucky enough to have them as a part of your life or not but you know if that person said hey rob go run through that brick wall you're like all right here we go let's let's go to it and and uh optimus is certainly that guy for uh, the transformers and i think um you know, just kind of like maybe pause for a second to to kind of think about like, yeah, wow, that's kind of deep in, in this movie. That's, that's sort of a deep uh, line. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. What, the thing that I thought of was definitely that like, wow, leaders are really such an influential thing because I joked about this earlier, like Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime could literally tell me to do anything and I would. And, but it's not just the voice. And I realized that when they said that there's, there is something about the character of Optimus Prime and as ridiculous as, the, as these movies are, something consistent in that character that is a leader that I want to follow for more than just the sake of his pleasant voice. Like his demand to give people freedom, his unrelenting defense of humans and, and his like willingness to help. I mean, the list goes on and on and a lot of it doesn't work perfectly, but I mean, how can you not get behind someone who has a rousing speech like that and is also an epic transforming warrior? Like, obviously, Optimus Prime is a leader that we're all going to follow to the end of time. But it just made me think, like, what are the qualities of that type of leader? And how can I embody them? And the reason that it made me do that is I'm currently going through training as a teacher for high school students, like, like very impressionable youth who are in very difficult times of their lives. And in the training I'm going through, we talk about but the, the, the responsibility and opportunity we have to be a mentor to these youth others as they're trying to figure out who they are. And like this same teacher that I had in high school that had a similar role, like changed my life forever. And it, it's kind of daunting now to be like, well, am I really able to be in this position? And again, none of this is boastful or gloating. It just is like, if there is an opportunity to lead, what are these, these leadership qualities that, I want to embody that make me want to follow somebody like Optimus Prime? And is there a way for me to use them in my work um, for the benefit of these, these individuals? And, and uh, you know, like that is, like I said at the beginning of the segment, that is a real legitimate thing that a Transformers movie made me think about and, and reflect on my own life that is going to make me do things differently. Think about Optimus, you know, so it's not just the voice. I mean, there's a nobility to his presence, right? And, I think that certainly helps. But when when the big battle comes at the end of the movie, who's fighting the battle? Yeah, all the other Transformers are. It's Optimus front and center. He's front and center. Whatever the biggest of the big bads is, he's got the swords out. He is going head on. His arm is half hanging off of him, and he doesn't care. He's He's making the hard decisions. He's making the tough calls. He's putting himself right in the heat of the battle. Wow. There you go. That's a very specific quality to embody. Well, uh, yeah, great. Uh, I, Any other thoughts? I, I will just chime in with just like the messages and stuff like that. I, I will say that, and I mentioned this earlier, more so than some of the other Transformers movies, I think the ideas behind the themes in this movie are more relatable. Like Rob said, like if yeah. this were real, this feels like this would happen. Um, the CIA would react like this if a sit a massive city was destroyed. I also don't think like, you know, thinking about it in terms of like, and Rob, I don't know how you would feel about this because you you mentioned this part of it, but there would always be something like, 
to me behind the scenes, like the government would be trying to figure out a way, like even in the first movies to control the transformers. Like we're not partners. Like we would like the United States government would be trying to find a way to control them. Like we're not going to let you run free. We're not really 50 50 here. Like this is our pl- look for leverage, right? We're looking for leverage more so than just I have an executive order from the president of the United States and a giant metal robots <laughs> that you whip out right, of and a giant metal robots like I'm going to flick your head off your shoulders with one single finger. Like this does feel a little bit more in line with based on what we see, how a, a government would react to these situations. So, um, I, I just think, again, the execution is not well done, but there's interesting concepts in this movie. Uh, and he, you pointed out something that reminded me of a line that I really liked from Mark Wahlberg's character when Optimus says to him, how many more of our, my kind must be sacrificed to atone for your mistakes? And he says, what do you think being human means? That's what we do. We make mistakes. Sometimes out of those mistakes come the most amazing things. When I fixed you, it was for a reward. That was it. That was why the money. And it was me making a mistake without it. You wouldn't be here. So even if you got no faith in us, I'm asking you to do what I do. I'm asking you to look at all the junk and see the treasure. You got to have faith prime in who we can in who we can be. Which like, that is such, you know, does that theme carry through the whole movie? Definitely not when they're talking about the Romeo and Juliet law, <laughs> but, but, yeah, but that, that is real legitimate thing. that I, I think we've all experienced in our life. Like who can't hear that and be like, yeah, you know, like I'll toast to that type of thing. Every, everybody can get behind that idea, I would say. And, and especially with the character of Mark Wahlberg, like, you know, that she, this is the words of his daughter, the mistake that she called herself, you know, being pregnant, getting someone pregnant and missing your graduation. That, that is life-changing, and some people would call that a mistake. And I think to some extent it can be, but then to have something incredible like a child that clearly you love and is an incredible blessing in your life come out of it, you know, like that, that makes sense for this character to say. And so it, it's, the, the, it's not executed well throughout the whole film, but the way that it's presented and the idea there is substantial and is one that I like. Uh, can I say that I like... Cade Yeager, and that name's funny as hell, but um, his response I like. I do feel, though, that the line from Optimus felt like the first time I was like, mm, that's the pot calling the kettle black, buddy, because look how many people have died because of you guys coming to Earth. Like, True. how many humans have have died collaterally from you firing off missiles at Megatron? Because those humans are not escaping every single battle as much as you're not trying to purposely hurt them. Um, there's been a lot of humans killed because of your guys war. Um, so I, I felt like that was kind of a little hypocritical of him to say. Um, but in the same vein, I do like the fact that when he's like, I've sworn never to hurt humans, but when I find out who did this, like I'm going to kill him. I do feel like they make it pretty believable that Optimus would be like fed up with like all of this. Yeah, that that is very believable. Like you, you feel the emotions of Optimus very heavily. I agree with you. That line did feel kind of weird when he said it, but uh, yeah, I feel like Optimus 
you feel his anger towards humans mm-hmm. uh, more than ever. And it, you feel justified in it. Yeah. I, I, Cade Yeager <laughs> has to be like an action movie, random name yes. generator. creator. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that was a I name. also wondered too, like with again it being believable that Optimus would be like fed up with humans and being like we're going to leave Earth because I feel like it's actually well portrayed. I almost am convinced that Ryan Johnson had talked to Michael Bay long before he made the decision that Luke would be the way he is in The Last Jedi, which makes sense <laughs> and ah, gave him the idea. It wasn't even me this time. <laughs> It wasn't uh, even me. I let the record show. <laughs> this one was not on me. Ruin Johnson coming in again. <laughs> um, there was one, you know, as far as the fall in segment, I think there was a, a interesting exchange between Cade and uh, one of the CIA guys, the one that wears the Oakleys. And uh, he says to him, you shouldn't have come after my family. And the CIA guy responds with, we all have family. And I thought that was, mm-hmm. you know, a very interesting, um, just a very interesting thought experiment for a little bit. You know, even the bad guys in in these movies have reasons, and they have people that they're trying to take care of. That that's that's why they're things that motivate them in a lot of cases. And I was trying to remember, like, God, I feel like we've talked about this before. I feel like we had talked about something around this sort of idea with uh, how to train your dragon. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's the people we think are our enemies. And then when you actually stop to figure out why they want what they want, um, in a lot of cases, it's for pretty legitimate reasons. Um, not all the times, you know, certainly when people are into mass murder, like that's certainly where I draw the line. Like, you know, <laughs> nope, sorry, I'm not interested in your in your, uh, you know, reasoning anymore. But uh, even just a simple disagreement that you could have with somebody or, um, you know, the, the person on the other side of a discussion, you know, certainly much has been made of the diversiveness in our culture right now. Um, but in, instead of being, you know, Billy Badass behind your keyboard, um, and trying to find ways to zing somebody you've never met online. If you really just kind of stop and think about why that person feels the way they feel, it's, it's cause they want a good life for themselves and for their families, uh, which is, I think kind of what we, we all want. Um, so yeah, that kind of took a, a deeper turn than I think I intended it originally, but, um, you know, it just, again, it was another interesting idea out of kind of a stupid movie. No, you, you brought up something again as well. And before I respond to it, I want to say to anybody listening, and you're thinking, how to train your dragon? I haven't heard that episode. It's because we recorded them at the beginning of this year, and then I went to school, and I never had a chance to edit them. But they will be released as soon as the last Transformers episode is released. Our three reviews of how to train your dragon that we did together that were amazing. Some of my favorite episodes we've ever done. They are coming. Uh, but now to respond to your comment, there is something that, again, in this training that I'm going through as a teacher that we talked about, is viewing things through different people's assumptions that we all have different experiences. We all have different beliefs in life. And that makes us address a topic through our own assumptions. And when you take a moment to look, what is this person's assumptions that they're coming at this moment with? You're going to view them well with a lot more understanding and a lot less of like, well, you just, you're not seeing it the right way, uh, which you, you just made me think of that, that, you know, like you said, that there's, there's a lot more than how we like to paint people. And I think that as we have more and more entertainment, we create more and more binary paintings of people that like, 
you fit into this category of storytelling that I'm used to, and you fit into this one, so you're the bad guy and you're the good guy. Instead of like, we're all gray here. Uh, well, yeah, so. Again, not, not necessarily like a prevalent theme throughout the film, but one that you can definitely pull out from that that comment. So I'm glad you did, Rob. Can I also say, too, there's the one thing, and I've I've never been military. I don't have family or like talk to a lot of people that do stuff like that. But I do feel like there was a very real performance um, in Kelsey Grammer's character when he's like, I have defended this country with no fanfare, no recognition. I've done all of these things and sacrificed things in my life and done this. And like, you're my golden ticket. So you're jumping out of the plane with me. And like the thought process of like, I've done all of these things to try and protect people only to be like judged, like from somebody who won't do it, who won't get their hands dirty. Um, And I like, I just thought that was a pretty real performance from him. Yeah, I think that something that I found consistently surprising in all of the films that we've reviewed together is that how Michael Bay is able to get like very, very real ideas through characters that may not be consistent with the rest of the film. But like there's those moments where the character says or does something like that is very real. You know, that is very relatable. It's very surprising to me um which i mean i claim to be a defender of michael bay so i should have known that but i don't <laughs> um all right I, I i love these following segments these these are so surprising to me every single time and my film professor he's not dead but he's rolling over in his grave uh and yeah. it's a lot of fun so uh yeah let's move on to the last segment where we reveal the rotten and decide if it is going to be history if i am going to be the rotten uh, as Matt and myself guess, or Rob, if it's going to be you. Uh, since I had two votes, I'll go last. Rob, you'll go second to last at you as well. So Matt, what is your rating out of five reels? Bringing that over from your show oh. for Transformers Age of Extinction. And if it's five out of five, we're just the episode will stop right as you say. <laughs> I think that you guys are going to be shocked. So I rated this what again, Harrison? On initial, hey, this is how I think. Yeah, during the first episode for Transformers, we all just gave our quick, you know, what do we think that we would rate this? And Matt, you gave Edge of Extinction, sorry, pulling it up here, uh, 2.5. Oh, we all did. We all gave it 2.5 reels. Yes. So uh, after rewatching this movie, again, I will reiterate, it is big. It is loud. It is stupid. It is incoherent. It is from a movie aspect. Poor filmmaking. However, I gave this movie for whatever reason when it was done. I was purely entertained, never felt like I overstayed my welcome and had a really good time with it. I moved this rating up an entire reel to three and a half. And I even moved it to my number three on my own list for Transformers behind Bumblebee and the first Transformers movie. Wow. Yeah, to give a brief recap of what Maz rated the others, he rated Dark of the Moon 3, Revenge of the Fallen 1, and then Transformers 3.5, which on the last episode he said he might want to take it to 4, which that's your discretion. Yes, I would take that up to a 4 because it's, I, I do not give the, I do not give the first Transformers, I can't give this and the first Transformers movie the same score, so I would move that up to a 4. Fair enough. Okay, so that's at a 4. 
so yeah, this is right behind it. 3.5 reels. I, I don't know if what is more shocking, Rob and I having the same rating consistently <laughs> and liking these movies or you giving this movie a whole nother reel. But, hey, we're reviewing the Transformer movie, so anything can happen. Uh, Rob, what is your rating out of five? Yeah, I got to say I'm surprised with Matt's rating because um, all the kinds of things that I know he dislikes <laughs> about movies are, are present yes. here. In fact, he even <laughs> called out a lot of them. He specifically called out things I know he hates about movies and somehow gave it a, a, a half-decent ranking. Um, this is uh, this is two and a half for me. Um, I, I didn't have a bad time watching this movie. Like, There's parts to enjoy. There's flaws here. There's things that don't work. There's things you wish they would have done differently. There's things you wish they wouldn't have done at all. Um, there's still some fun to be had. Um, so I, I, I think maybe two and a half is a little generous, uh, for how I really feel, but it's maybe a little better than a two. Cause when you get down to two, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities left. Um, you know, so I, I like this movie better than other movies. I've rated two reels, two and a half. Okay. Well, History is being made. (laughs) I am really struggling to know if I give this one and a half or two. Wow. And this the reason is I gave Revenge of the Fallen two. So if I give this two, Revenge of the Fallen has to go up to two and a half just by default because I like it more. But I looked on Letterboxd at the other movies I've given one and a half. And I don't know if this is that low. If you get what I'm saying. Like you said, Rob, when you get down to two, in my when you get down to one and a half. There's not that much here. And and I'm not sure if there's enough there. I think that I was under generous to Revenge of the Fallen and how much I really did enjoy that last act. And I'm going to take that up to 2.5 and put this at two reels. And either way, wh- no matter what I get, I'm the rotten. I'm going to have to check. I think for the first time ever, uh, during the series that I thought I was going to have to defend with my life, I am <laughs> laying down and letting it run over me. I. I am the only one who took Cade Yeager's advice and I dug through the trash to found the treasure with this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, there's not a better end to that episode. Wow. Okay. Three and a half reels for Age of Extinction. So I, I... I am extremely excited for the next episode on Transformers last night. And then we're going to do Bumblebee, which Matt and I, it's kind of going to be a reunion for the two of us. That was the first show we did here at the Basin Binge together, which is going to be a lot of fun. But So Rob has not seen the last night. Matt Correct. gave it a very low score. I gave it three and a half. So I gave the last night the second highest rating, even my like after ratings. That's the second highest rating after the first one and equivalent to what Matt gave it this time. And Matt gave it a 0.5, like not even one. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm curious. I'm looking it up. Have I even rated anything? Point. I I don't. I gotta check because I am like blown away. Have I given anything? Let's see. Matt, what did you rank the theatrical release of Justice League? I'm trying to remember something you gave a very low rating to. Okay, hmm. there are three That's movies it. that I've ever given half to, and that is the sequel to Atlantis, the animated Disney movie Atlantis: Miles Return. It's garbage. Uh, the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious, which we talked about on that episode, which is like a DVD extra. It's horrendous. And then the 1984 version of Dune. And that's only because I could not get more than 10 minutes into that movie. So 
there is no way that the last night is that bad. I am I'm putting my big boy Michael Bay defender pants on for this next episode, and I'm gonna bring it because it deserves better than that. What did I get? Let me see here. For this for this steel book alone, it deserves better than that. Like I, I did give the original Justice League theatrical release. I, I gave it one and a half. So I ranked the last night lower than a whole real lower. Yeah. Wow. So if well, and again, this will be. I watched about half of the last night. And a while after I watched it for the first time and was like, nope, I'm I'm good. Um, I'm going to go waterboard myself instead. But <laughs> I, uh, I had more important things to do. But I will be interested to actually sit down and watch this and see if I if I change. I I have the feeling like I'm going to f- defend this movie with my life unless I watch it and I don't like it. That would be kind of funny. Um, but I have the feeling already going in that this is going to be for me like it is for Matt with Age of Extinction where I'm, I, I already know there's things about the movie that I don't like that I have really big problems with, but I don't care because I like the parts of I li- that I like about it so much. It's going to be interesting to see if that if it falls in that category. I think it might. I don't know. We'll see. Her- or I'm, we're all going to walk away with half a reel and just and Harrison just texted us. He's like, we don't have to do this one. <laughs> Never mind. I'll, I'll record for all of us. I'm just going to get on. We all gave a half a reel. End of the episode. On to Apologies Bumblebee. to anybody who watched right. this waiting for us to review it for them. Yeah. We're sorry. If you rented it, we'll get offer you a refund. Uh, yeah. I don't think that that's going to happen. But so thank you again both for joining me. This is a ton of fun. I'm excited for uh, the next episode. Excited for Prey that we're going to do. Excited to finally be releasing the How to Train Your Dragon episodes that we did. So briefly to Matt and Rob, give you a chance to talk about things that are happening over at Matt Goes to Movies. Before I let you though, I'm going to say Rob just released another episode of that he talked about last episode of about Rob's reviews on the Matt Goes to Movies extended podcast universe. And uh, even if you haven't seen the movie, Minions Rise of Gru, I highly recommend that episode. It is a lot of fun. There, there's those few special podcast episodes that aren't, I would say, your typical, not in a negative way, podcast episode that just have a special charm to it. And that is one of them that I highly recommend. Additionally, subscribe to Matt Goes to Movies because we are reviewing a movie that at the time of recording just released on Hulu, like literally 21 minutes ago, to be precise, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how late it is. And uh, I'm very excited to be reviewing that over at Matt Goes to Movies. So anything you need to get that is linked below. But Matt or Rob, the floor is yours if you'd like. Yeah, I'm just, I, by the time people listen to this, uh, those movies will be out. Super excited for Prey. Um, I just, I've been waiting for what is a truly great Predator movie um, for a long time. And I hear that this is the one. So that's exciting. Uh, and I look forward to just doing a, a live watch with Rob. Um, I will say, we, Rob and I both wish that Harrison was closer. Uh, that we could uh, all do a live watch party together, but eventually that will happen. Um, but I will also say we did get the Michael Bay itis because I believe this might be the longest episode we've ever done together. I was about to say I'm looking at the time. Like we have be we, we've become Michael a- Age Bay. of Extinction. <laughs> age of Extinction is our Age of Extinction. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, uh, we just released uh, another entry into the extended podcast universe. It's a little spinoff within the Matt Goes to the Movies network uh, that we call a show called Rob's Reviews. And uh, we we as a family went out to see uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru. And earlier in the day, as I was thinking about it, I was just like, you know what? We should should do a review on this. So I asked uh, a special new co-host for Rob's Reviews, my oldest daughter, Lillian, who's uh, 12 going into seventh grade. Uh, if she would like to do it with me, I, I waited till after the movie was over because I wanted her just to you know watch the movie and enjoy it and not think about it too much. Uh, but she had a lot of fun with it, and uh, I had a lot of fun doing it with her. So uh, we'll see. Perhaps there will be uh, more episodes with Lily uh, in the future over on the EPU. Exciting things happening. Obviously, if you didn't hear me enough, we're talking about Transformers last night next on The Basement Binge and then Bumblebee as we finish out the Transformers. Exciting episodes happening to Matt Goes to the Movies. Subscribe to both shows wherever you get podcasts. Matt Goes to the Movies and The Basement Binge. If you want to interact with us in any way, email. You want to follow us on social media. You want to join Matt Goes to the Movies Facebook group. You want to leave a review, which we would both greatly appreciate. Podchaser is a fantastic place to review them, but any reviews, any place are welcomed. We just can see them and reply to them on Podchaser. It's very nice. And you can review this individual episode so you can review the podcast more than once. And it's very helpful for the show. So we appreciate that. All of those things are linked in the description. In addition to a link to the Steelbooks so you can see what we were talking about because it's audio only. uh, Because that's very crucial. So thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us on the Age of Extinction review that is the longest episode probably ever recorded on the basement page but that is because we are slowly becoming michael bay and uh, it's a lot of fun so thank you for joining us if you haven't heard enough this is the basement binge my name is harrison and that's all for now ciao ciao When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.